conversations. Come on in, Brother Brody. Yeah, y'all, your class is going to be in here, I think. You're going to get, y'all are going to be in here this morning. We might ask you a few questions. So, uh, uh, Brother, Brother Ryan is preaching this morning, and uh, I was going to teach a lesson, and after some study, I asked Brother BJ if he would be game for just having a discussion about the the doctrine of, of obedience or obedient faith. And so that is kind of the, the thought. If anybody throughout the time, if you want to raise your hand, ask a question, make a comment, uh, that will be fine. Amen. Brother, Brother BJ, you want to let start us out in prayer? Lord, we thank you today for all the wonderful, faithful saints of God that are gathered here. We pray today that you would help us as we study your word that you would open our understanding. Lord, help us to receive your word, the truth of your word, that it may bring forth fruit in our spiritual lives. Lord, that may, we may grow together in obedience and in faith and in profit the kingdom of God in Jesus' name. Amen. So, kind of the genesis of this thought and uh, this lesson this morning uh, comes from the fact that I... Uh, had a number of discussions with people of various uh, traditions throughout my uh, life, and uh, but recently I started following someone on Twitter, and I really appreciated the things they had to say about the Godhead, because uh, they had some great insight, uh, in that they didn't believe what a lot of people believe. But as I continued to watch some things that he would uh, tweet, if you will, I was like, hmm, this is a strange bird. So I started trying to figure out what he believed concerning faith. And it turns out he was a universalist, which universalism teaches that Jesus died to save the whole world from sin, so the whole world is therefore saved. No participation or action needed. And I found that his comments were much like the comments, some I would say five-point Calvinists. They essentially believe the same thing about salvation in that salvation is Jesus alone, us nothing. So essentially the differentiation in the realm of salvation between the universalist and the Calvinist is the universalist believe it's Jesus does everything and everyone is saved. And Calvinists believe that just a few are saved and it's they don't do anything to be saved. They're chosen. It's a so one is fantasy land, the other one is fatalism land. And so I thought it might be beneficial for you and your witness and dealing with people in your own personal study, I'm sure you've run across this idea that a person is saved uh, simply by what Jesus has done. And so the, the uh, difference is our response to faith. Would you like to make a, any opening? In what, what Pastor was saying, in obedience and obedient faith, I believe that in the scripture there is a clear distinction between obedience 
and disobedience. Uh, there is no, that's, a, that's one topic in which there's no room for a gray area. Either you are obedient or you are disobedient. And, and there are many examples of that in Scripture. However, I would say that there is a thread from Genesis to Revelation where nearly on every page of your Bible, you will find examples of either obedience or disobedience. In fact, the Bible even refers to uh, people as uh, the children of obedience or the children of disobedience. I believe that's in, Paul wrote about that in some Colossians 3, where he was talking about the children of disobedience and put away wrath and doubt and, and all of those things. So you're either obedient to God or you're disobedient to God. One thing that I would also share <clears throat> is uh, something that I read in preparing for this lesson that really stuck with me, which says the supreme test of faith in God is obedience. So it is the ultimate litmus test on whether or not we truly have faith in God is whether we choose to obey him or disobey him. It's kind of like the words of Jesus. Jesus said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. And so essentially, you know, I think, I think Hebrews 11 really uh, clarifies this. By, uh, Hebrews 11 and verse 1. Now faith, you can quote it with me, is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. So faith is the substance. Faith is the visible of your invisible hope. And then it goes on and t says, describes, explains what was done by the heroes of faith. And that action was the manifestation of hope. Faith was the visible of the invisible. So, so we can judge them based the fact that we can judge their hope based on what they did. What they did was faith manifested. Hebrews eleven, all the heroes of faith were obedient. That's how you knew they were obedient. Not just doesn't say that Noah believed alone, or Abraham believed alone, but it was what they did in response to their faith. Uh, Romans 6 and 17, But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. And so there is this direct connection the Apostle Paul makes that our obedience from the heart to the doctrine, the teaching that was given to them. Romans 1 and 5, by whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name. Another, Romans 2, 8 through 11. But unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish upon every soul, of man that doeth evil, of the Jew first and also the Gentile. But glory and honor and peace to every man that worketh good to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. For there is no respect of 
persons with God. What does God respect? God respects faith that is demonstrating obedience. Absolutely. And and those that that obey the truth are seen as people that are faithful. Those that obey or disobey, the Bible says here what you just read, um, that those people are doing evil. Again, there's that very cut and dry black and white distinction with no gray area. There's obeying, obedient faith is good, it's righteous, it's holy, it's pleasing in the sight of God. Those that are disobedient, they had the option to do good, they chose not to. That reminds me of the example of um, Cain and Abel, all the way back in the beginning. Abel sacrificed a lamb and it was pleasing in the sight of God and God accepted his sacrifice and then you had Cain who offered up his vegetables he was a farmer he worked the earth but his sacrifice to God was not accepted but God told him if you do good you will be accepted and then ruling over your brother very clear distinction between pleasing God and displeasing God and being obedient. It's an obedient Cain and Abel were both trying to please God, but Abel was obedient in his sacrifice. Well, I mean, I think, you know, I remember one day I was talking to Brother Sullivan Jones about the fact we see a lot of, you know, sincere people and they seem to be so close. They seem to really truly believe but there seems to be a disconnect between their um, words of devotion, but they don't seem to feel a need to follow through. And I, I, we had this conversation, and I prayed about it. You know, Lord, help me understand. And the Lord took me to the book of Jude, and it says, uh, Woe unto them, for they have gone after the way of Cain, uh, ran greedily after uh, the 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 error of Balaam, and uh, the gainsaying of Korah. So uh, Cain, Korah, and Balaam. And if you look at those, those three people, they all had faith. God, uh, uh, they all had, uh, you know, they, they, they were known men of, of renown, and they were known uh, because there's some things they did. Cain worshipped God. Cain believed in God. Cain gave an offering to God. The difference between Cain and Abel wasn't just the type of sacrifice, but the scripture brings to, the Bible says in the process of time, Cain brought an offering. But it says, uh, Abel, it says that Abel gave his firstlings and his fat. So there is this this, uh, message of priority and, and best. Abel gave God his first and his best, whereas Cain gave God. And essentially, when he didn't respond to the warning of the Lord, uh, he killed Abel. And so that really shows you at the root, his offering wasn't from a pure heart. And we must be careful that we are willing to learn from others that may may seem to be favored. There, there's maybe something we can learn having a humble heart 
just say, you know, how can I be a better believer, offer greater prayer, greater sacrifice? Because at the end of the day, we all want to be blessed. In order to do that, we have to be obedient in faith. Um, in fact, salvation comes by obedient faith, does it not? Romans 15, 19, and 24. I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ hath not right by me to make the Gentiles obedient by word and deed through mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God so that from Jerusalem and from around about unto Iconium, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. So the, the, the miracle of God working in Paul is the manifestation was the Gentiles were obedient in word and in deed. Romans 16, 25 through 27. Now to him that is of power to establish and according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret since the world began but now is made manifest and by the scriptures of the prophets according to the commandment of the everlasting God hath made to made known to all nations for the for the obedience of faith it's so important for I think people to understand and I think that's the thing that just seems to be so sad is people truly believe that simply having a faith in Jesus Christ frees them from any responsibility because ultimately their lack of response they're missing out on the blessing of obedience God does bless us for faith but faith is not one dimensional Romans uh, 11 and verse 8 that's not the one I wanted. But the Bible says, <clears throat> For without faith it is impossible to please God. For he must believe he must first believe that he is. That's that's faith. That's the first dimension of faith. And that he is a rewarder of them that God rewards diligent faith. example of this is, is always going back to the mention of the book of Acts and the people in Samaria that ultimately see that Philip the evangelist is preaching um, they accepted the, the gospel message they, they believed in God um, they were full of joy that, that Philip was there preaching um, they were even baptized but yet despite all those, those ingredients coming together Despite the expression of their faith, the apostles in Jerusalem thought it necessary to send Peter and John. And when Peter and John got there, the Bible records that they laid their hands on them and they were filled with the Spirit. So just expressing a faith in Jesus Christ is not necessarily the same as being 
filled with the Spirit. And a lot of people, I think that's probably one of the great misunderstandings is a lot of people have been taught that at the point of faith, they receive the Spirit of God. They are filled with the Spirit because they believe. And uh, a lot of times, if you take someone to Romans 8 or Romans 10 or Romans 19, and they see that faith is a separate experience from being filled with the Spirit. It blows their mind because they've been taught uh, exclusively that simply believing you receive the Spirit. Let's read Hebrews 5 and 9 over here. It says, And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all that obey Obedience. 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 Also all that believed in him or confessed with their mouth some sort of statement of faith or some creed, but all that obeyed. Here's the deal. I think that the, the thing that I see is the one of the greatest tragedies is people, people lift their favorite verses and like a frog through the lily pads, they jump on their favorite verses and the challenge is they miss the context of each verse. Romans 10 is a beautiful chapter. All of Romans is beautiful. But Romans uh, 10, it says that if thou believe in your heart and profess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, thou shalt be saved. That's true. But faith and profession is a part of a process we all experience. Do I believe there's power and blessing and glory that if you believe in your heart concerning Jesus Christ, absolutely. Do I believe there is even a greater dimension of that when you profess it? Yes, I believe that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father, to the Jew first and also to the Greeks. The Greeks, I believe that. But it is how I live, it's what I do after I have believed and professed proves whether I truly believe what I have thinking about obedience and the ways that we're taught obedience I mean obedience is not something that's unique just to our spiritual life I mean if you think about it there there are multiple ways by the time you're an adult there's multiple people or authority figures that you've been obedient to right so when you're a child you're obedient to your parents in education, whether that be elementary school or all the way up through college or even your entire adult life if you're a student of the word and someone's teaching you. As a student, you're obedient to your teacher. If you hold down a job, you have to obey the, the law or the rules of your employer. As a citizen, you have to obey government. But fifthly, fifth kind of area that you must be obedient in, I would say is the most principal and important, is that we must be obedient to God. We must obey God. You know, I think that my, my wife made a comment years ago. She was at a Christian school, teacher, a Christian teacher's uh, get-together for a, a MAIS and they were discussing, you know, how they, it's a Christian school. These are 
uh, professed believers, and uh, they were asking, how can the school function better? How can the administration and the teachers and the students and the parents, how, how can schools run better? And my wife's not one to speak out, but for this morning in this situation, she raised her hand and said, well, I think that if the teachers would sum, show submission to the principal, everything would probably go a little better. And and she said, people say, well, I don't like that word submission. Uh, submission. And, and there was this long discussion about how you shouldn't view your role in that uh, boss uh, employee to submit and and I think in general the idea of the value of having a spirit of submission uh, uh, the lack thereof my wife made the statement everything that's in our world that's going wrong it's because uh, parents haven't taught their children to be submissive you don't have submission uh, in the world and so you know people get pulled over by a cop now granted the cop may be wrong the, the, the radar gun may be wrong they may but if you resist the power if you fight the law chances are the law is going to win <clears throat> well I think it's possible to obey because you don't want to get beat or get thrown in jail, but I think as a believer, I think it's hard to truly be submitted to God. If it's a it, it's a spirit thing, you know. I I'm, I I I mean, <laughs> there's a lot of things in our in our world of government politicians. I I have animosity toward, but you know, I'm not called to. I didn't really answer that question, but I think from a believer's point of view, I think that they're 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 product of the same thing. I do too, and the reason um, it would be hard, I don't know that I have a perfect answer for this, but for my own question, when I say don't ask questions that you don't really want to, then I'm not sure because <laughs> it would have hurt. But um, I would say that spiritually, um, when it comes to submission. Um, can sometimes do the right things for the wrong reasons, but ultimately you will not serve God out of a, a sense of just trying to do the right thing from your heart's motives. You have to be fully submitted to God in order to please God. And he gives us free will. And ultimately we have to decide if our free will is going to be submitted in submission to, secondary to, the will of God. First Peter chapter 1 and verse 22, Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. I'm going to read a few more verses. For the time is come that judgment must begin at the house of God, and if at first with us, at us, what shall the end of them be that obey not the gospel of God? Second Thessalonians 1 and 8 in flaming fire taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ I think it's very important for us to understand true faith 
person is going to operate in a spirit of submission to the word of God. Whether we do it out of love, which is the most excellent way. But I think that even if you do it out of fear, obedience, if you, if you, if you obey the word of God out of fear, it's, it's an imperfect way. But I think, I think fear is better than fearlessness in reference to God. And ultimately, I mean, the Bible says some you'll save with fear. I mean, how many people have got saved because somebody preached about hell and the coming of the Lord? Will that keep them long term? No. But sometimes, sometimes people need to have an awakening like, oh, I, I don't want to go to hell. Uh, ultimately, fear will not keep you living for God, but fear can initiate a response if it's a fear of God that can bring you to a loving relationship with God. Fear of God in us always comes from salvation or serving God out of fear or in reverence of his word, what he has spoken. Um, I think that is a good jumping off point in relationship with God. It's not the end, it's the beginning. But it's the beginning of it could be a progression of relationship. Uh, you know, ultimately, I mean, how long have we been living for God? I mean, my faith in God, my uh, appreciation for God, from the time I was a young boy, pales in comparison to what I know and appreciate about God now. And I do believe that I, I have a deeper appreciation. I don't know that I love God more than I did when I was 10. Because you know the the pure heart of a child, but but ultimately, our as we understand God to be more in our lives, we love Him for more reasons. Uh, I wanted to read this. This uh, gets into the teaching of Jesus. Uh, Jesus said, "And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings, and doeth them." I will show you to whom he is like. And I bet, does anybody know what happens next? So the Lord essentially, in, in, he, he makes the point, in fact it's further down in this, this, uh, this reading, the difference in the fool and and the wise in reference to the teaching of Jesus isn't those that hear the words of Jesus, but those that hear and obey the words of Jesus. If you want to be wise, it's not enough to know. You must do what you know God's word says. And you can't really say he's the Lord of your life if you don't obey his word. appreciation for the wisdom for example in Matthew the fifth chapter and, and the profundity in which Jesus spoke but it's another thing to actually take those things and apply them to your life and to live it's, an, it's not just an affinity for or an appreciation of but it is a, 
something that you believe in so much that you apply it to your life that it becomes an act of obedience. You live your life as an act of obedience to God. Matthew, uh, we'll finish up with Matthew chapter 7. Uh, Hebrews 11 and 7 says, By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by which he condemned the world, he became the heir of righteousness, which is by faith. So there is this faith and fear. There is this, this concept of Noah was so persuaded that judgment was coming that he was motivated to obey the plan grace gave him. Grace is what gave Noah the plan of how to be saved. It wasn't just him sitting beside the, on the dock of the bay watching the tide roll away. <laughs> Noah found grace in the eyes of God. He still had to build the boat. He still had to build the boat. And I think that's where we're all at. Uh, he would have never known he needed to build a boat. He would have never known how to build the boat. He wouldn't have known how big and what to fill the boat with, if not by the grace of God. But he still had to do his part. And I know we're, we're, we're talking to, we all, I don't know that anybody here would disagree. We're just affirming to you that in this religious world that people believe so many false things about Jesus that, that we're not some wild-eyed crazy people because we truly believe the Word teaches that if you really believe in Jesus Christ, you're going to seek to do what the Word of God says. Uh, Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. In fact, John 14, uh, that whole chapter, if you wanted to go back and review and to finish up your Bible reading for the month of January, uh, John 14 really brings this point home. John 14, 21, He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Judas saith unto him, not a scary, Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us, and not unto the world? Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and he will come unto him, and make, and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not, keepeth not my sayings, and the words which ye hear is not mine, but the Father which hath sent me. You read John 14, it just, it just puts a, an emphasis on the fact that ultimately we can judge our love for God based on our love and obedience to his word. We'll just take a minute. Anybody want to make a comment or ask a question or... I saw someone make a comment just along that line. What 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 comes first, uh, the chicken or the egg? And kind of my thought on that is oh, oh, obedience without faith doesn't have value just as faith without obedience. Faith is the catalyst that makes everything 
that we could do good because it is our faith in Jesus Christ that opens the conduit of his grace to flow in us. You know, people talk about the grace of God. You know, we're saved by grace. But ultimately, that doesn't free me. Grace empowers me. I don't think I have it here on my scriptures. I'm so surprised. Titus says, <clears throat> Titus 2 says, for the, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, comma, semicolon, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust that we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. So grace, though it is amazing, Grace, though it is unmerited favor, grace is ultimately the teacher and the power that we could live in overcoming life that pleases God. And so obedience alone, uh, but I, I don't know that it's possible to obey the word without faith. I mean, we can obey the church rules, right? You can live by the church standard without faith. But ultimately, to seek to please God, it, it, it's so much greater than simply just trying to conform to the peer pressure that may be in a group. Ha, have we all done things out of peer pressure? Good and bad? Yes. But ultimately, it is, it is what we do that is rooted in our faith in Jesus Christ that gives us access to the true empowerment of grace. Any other comments? believe the actual ability to have faith in God is something that comes from God. He's given to every man. Right. The he, enough. He's given it to us. It is not the ability to believe in God does not come from it's not hereditary, it doesn't come from uh, some good place inside of a man or a lady's heart. None of us are good enough to believe in God. It, but it's something that comes from God. He gives each of us a, a place or something inside of us that if we choose to exercise that, we can believe in God. Well, we all have experienced seasons of rebellion, right? And how long did that season last? I mean, for me, I never didn't, I, there was never a season I didn't go to church. But there were, have been many seasons when I wasn't submitted to God. And I could go back in a time when the Lord was dealing with me about ministry. Uh, I would actually come to the altar and pray, and the Lord would deal with me. And I knew the words he wanted me to say. The words were, I'll do whatever you want me to do. And I would feel the pressure, the weight of the Holy Ghost. And I would feel that, just tell me. We'll do. I would literally get up from prayer and go to the bathroom, hang out in the foyer till church was over. And because I, I love the Lord, I, I was aware and I wanted to, to worship God, but I was unwilling to say, God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. And so I think that ultimately we all, we all go through different seasons where we are in the house of God, but we are resistant 
to his presence, to his mandate. And I think that it requires a lot of effort to be submitted, to be surrendered. And ultimately, that is the our personal struggle with God is to try to bring our ego and our flesh and our carnality and our ideas and opinions and thoughts and values and desires and, and wrestling them down, wrestling them down to the altar and tying that man to the altar and saying, you're going to serve God. Because our flesh, the Bible says our carnal mind is at war with God, at enmity. So it's try. we all, we... I guess as long as we're in this body, we are going to have elements and dimensions of us that that are still alive. And we have to, by faith, say by faith through grace, say by grace through faith, that's it. Uh, the grace of God helps us to win the war in, between the flesh and the spirit. So let's... so good amen those that didn't hear brother uh, Nate said that there was a season where he started serving God basically started serving God out of fear he's afraid he didn't want to go to hell I know my dad has a similar testimony he had backslid and the Lord basically said what the Lord tell you you don't come back now back to me I'm going to cut you off and that caused my dad to get up from his pig pen Praise God. And I, I, I behold the goodness and severity of the Lord. And I think, the, and I think that sometimes the Lord, we have to have a, 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 a come to Jesus meeting. And uh, I think all of us, you live for God long enough, there's going to be something that's going to shake you up and say, you know what, I, gotta, I need to tighten up. Amen. Brother BJ, any comments? Uh, just to tag on to that, I, I turned into Jude. And it says, Beloved, building up yourself in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. For some have compassion, making a difference. Of others, save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Saved by fear. And I I, I have had this come up in a number of... uh, discussions with uh, area pastors who are not of our faith and uh, this this I'm going to read this and this is going to be our concluding thoughts 
Matthew chapter 7, verse 16. This is Jesus. You shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth forth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. This is Jesus. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken unto a wise man who built his house upon a rock, and the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon the house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And every one that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not, he shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand, and the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and the, it fell, and great was the fall of it. It came to pass that when Jesus had ended saying, the people were astonished at his doctrine. And I think people are still astonished at the doctrine of Jesus. And so if we want to walk in proper biblical faith, the proof of that to ourselves and to the world around us is what we do in obedience. Uh, that men might see our our works and glorify our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. Even even a child is known by their fruit. That child that's mischievous does mischievous things. That's a mischievous child. Or someone that you see a child that's yes ma'am and no ma'am, yes sir, no sir. You say, man, that's such a well mannered child. You have a child that shares their toys. You're like, oh, that child. Look look how much uh, they share. That's a good. That's a good child. We're, we're no different. Believers are no different. We're known by what we do. And that, I believe, whether or not we've been obedient to Christ and we keep his sayings is demonstrated in the fruit of our lives. And it, it, it tells on them. What's in our heart tells on us, not by what we say so much, not just professing, but by, by our deeds, by our actions. What we do day in and day out, demonstrate uh, our relationship with him. Amen. Well, let's pray in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you today for your word. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. For truly we are saved by grace through faith and not of ourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I thank you today, Lord, that I cannot save myself. But, Lord, through grace... We are saved by grace through faith. Lord, that your grace is our empowerment. Your grace is our, our, our access. Your grace is our entrance. Your grace is the source of our salvation. And Lord, it is our response to this grace that we live, that we move, that we breathe, that we believe, that we seek to please you and not to please ourselves, that we seek to please you and not to please others. 
Lord God, help us, Lord, to have not just an, a, a, a mental understanding, but Lord Jesus, help us to experience the blessing that comes through obedience. In the name of Jesus. Everybody said amen.